Hi, I'm Eric Zoncherb. I'm the chair and CEO of GR Silver Mining, ticker GRSL on the TSX Venture. And we are focused on the Plumosas Silver Project in Sinaloa, Mexico, having recently delivered on our promise of an updated resource estimate. Eric, thank you very much for the introduction. Good to speak to you. Um, let's go back to that um, resource that you've just put out. Uh, you've kind of increased your uh, the resources. You've got 15 million tonnes in the indicator category. You've got another um, 9 million tonnes in the inferred category. Can you kind of tell me where you've got to now and you're thinking towards what happens next on the resource base of this project? Indeed. Um, we, as I said, we made a big promise last year that we would deliver this resource update by the end of March. And so recently, more recently, we've put out a news release that outlines our vision for the remainder of 2023 and it's largely about continuing to deliver ounces. This this project is a combination of three previous projects into one. And con on a consolidated basis in the core, we have 432 square kilometers and roughly 45 kilometers of strike length of three major structures, deep-seated structures. So a lot of potential. And really, we've only been focusing on about six kilometers of one of those structures. And that is where the former Pelosis, Plumosis mine lives. And then six kilometers to the south, the San Marcial deposit. So it's all about extending that. We have, um, we recently published the 43101 report that goes with our, our resource estimate. And in that, the recommended program subject to board approval is roughly 2,500 meters of, of infill drilling at depth in the Plumosis mine. 5,000 meters of infill drilling on the San Marcial deposit and 5,000 meters extending to the southeast from that San Marcial deposit. And I can go into with geology in greater detail if you like, but that to me is really the crux, no pun intended, of the future for the Plumosis project is extending along that southeast target contact. And we actually have one drill turning right now uh, that hopefully will be generating some news flow over the next few weeks. Thank you. Um, we, I'll accept any old pun. We, we we love a good pun down this end. In terms of the the, the geology, what from what I can see, you've got often in in Mexico, one is dealing with kind of mesothermal um, vein sets with which have got good depth and strike continuities, but relatively narrow systems. But here you've got you're in a kind of an, an epithermal system which has got some. Um, uh, different geometries to it and it affords uh, in some places uh, wider and thicker zones. Exactly. Is, is this very much the kind of the model that you'll be continuing to chase? Yeah, the model, the geological model has actually been fine-tuned and tweaked and uh, I'd say that, that Marcio Fonseca, our president, founder and COO and his geological team have done a superb job of of peeling the geological onion and I've, I've used that one before but the idea is that we see this this beautiful hydrothermal breccia uh, that is the original, the first event, if you will, of this, this thick body that is generally polymetallic, but then one has cross-cutting structures, uh, cross-cutting structures that enhance the precious metal content. So they're tapping fluid flow and metal supply, likely from intrusives at depth, and it, it's going to be fascinating as we follow the zonation from that that epithermal mineralization in these younger structures uh, that have enhanced the grade throughout. But you you mentioned the width. That is a key distinction 
with this project. Whereas other projects, you might see sort of one or two or three meter widths in some of these epithermal veins. We're seeing an average width of the mineralized domain at Plumosus is 20 meters. And at San Marcial, 22 meters. And in the new Southeast Discovery, 52 meters. So these are large widths of mineralization that may be amenable to bulk mining. And if you look at the previous Plumosus mine, that Plumosus mine was mined to a large extent by Rumen Pillar underground. So you have much lower costs associated with that style of mining versus selective mining um, shrinkage or, or cut and fill. Does it, I mean, you've just mentioned kind of underground mining, but is it... Um, clear in your mind that this is an underground development or is there open pit potential as well? There is indeed open pit potential. In fact, um, I believe for the total amount, the number of ounces of the silver ounces is about uh, 78% is potentially amenable to open pit mining. Now, Plumosis already has 7.4 kilometers of underground development. So you have a an advantage in terms of timelines and risks and capex upfront costs at Plumosis. That one would be dominantly underground. But at San Marcial, perched on the side of the hill, there's some definitely some advantages uh, to having open pit mining in that sort of a setup. It's it's some uh, it's obviously um, it's easier to get started on open pit. Um, although we, if you've got underground development, it may also be not so difficult to start underground. But um, getting a few years of large tonnages through an open pit can can certainly help. Um, what I was going to ask you about with the, the, the in your inferred resource, you've got a grade of 78 grams per ton silver, and in your indicated resource, you've got 117. So, you know, it's it's 40 grams richer in the indicated category. But when I look at the, the silver equivalent grade, they're very similar 179 to 171. Is that because it in the areas of your inferred resource, there are seems to be a higher gold content, or, or what is the contributing? Please explain and unpack that a little bit for me. Sure. Um, in general, when I was an analyst and spent thirty four years as an analyst, I always looked for uh, a an indicated grade higher than an inferred grade, which in general implied to me that as one tightens the drill spacing, improves the resolution, you're capturing more of the deposit and statistically you're going to get a higher grade so i was always looking for that that differentiator in this particular case you have an additional factor and as i mentioned you've got the hydrothermal breccia this is large thick body that's polymetallic but cross-cutting high-grade structures so as you tighten the drill spacing you're capturing more of those high-grade precious metal structures and that's what boosts the grade as you tighten the resolution in addition, when we're talking about a wide spacing on that hydrothermal breccia, you've got more of the lead and zinc that you're picking up. And that's why your your silver equivalent grade is relatively the same. It's on the precious metals that you boost the grade. And th thank you. And th is, there a, is there a contributing gold factor to the... When you, when you talk about precious metals, you're not just talking about silver. So is, is the gold-silver ratio more or less consistent across the area? If you look at it right now, as you mentioned, we're talking about, say, on the indicated side, 117 grams per ton silver and 0.18 gold overall. But at Plumosis, when we saw mining there from 1986 to 2001, the average silver grade was 170 grams. 
So you're looking at a jump from 117 to 170. The average gold grade recovered was 0.96 grams per ton gold versus 0.18 in the current resource. So there's a huge factor that, again, as you tighten up the drilling, you're going to get a higher grade. But also, if you then take it to the next step and actually mine it, you're picking up these cross-cutting structures and you're getting a that higher precious metal grade, both in silver and in gold. When we were drilling at San Marcial, for example, we actually started to drill into roughly one meter widths of, of as much as 31 grams gold, and in one case, over 200 grams per ton gold, over a meter. So it's 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 good that you've got that, that historic, those um those bulk samples, really, those kind of representative samples from decades of work. <laughs> exactly. If this were a greenfield project, you you would be looking at those high grades and just immediately dismissing it as being an aberration. And you wouldn't be able to use that as you were studying this project. But because we have the history of mining and all the production records from those mines, we know what we're heading towards. That's a distinct advantage. So, so far, this is all good news. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've, I've been touching on all the good things, um, such as the geology and the kind of the Very kind. potential for... Uh, open pit now now the the, the killer blow to go <laughs> well no um yeah exactly <laughs> the um because it's not all sweetness and light out there you've the, you, the, the there's some serious headwinds both in terms of, kind of jurisdiction risk and also kind of capital markets risk both in terms of metal price and uh equity responses so let's let's address these challenges head-on could you talk talk to me about um the changes within Mexico, where that process is, but also, sorry, I've just had a huge um, flying insect come into my room. I hope it doesn't attack me. Um, changes in the in the um, proposed changes to the legislation and what the perception is versus the reality. Right. And, and I think we have to recognize that these are no longer proposed changes. These are actually accepted changes to the mining legislation in Mexico. What we then see is going from the, the modified legislation to the actual policies and regulations. Some of those have already been published. We have to see how that plays out, uh, but there are definitely changes. I would hate to be a Greenfields uh, company working with concession applications. There, was, there would be a lot of risk associated with that. Not to be Pollyanna about it, but we feel that we're actually in a pretty good position in that we have uh, mining concessions that have been issued that have time on the clock. You know, one of the proposed things is to go from 50-year concessions to 30-year concessions with some renewal periods. Um, we have good time on the clock left for our mining concessions, which are granted. We're not in a greenfields position where we are in a brownfields uh, position where there is historical mining. Um, we don't have any issues with our local uh, people. Um, we have three ejidos in our local area. And those ejidos we have long-term exploitation agreements with. We have great relationships in the sense that there are no uh, blockades or anything like that. In fact, we have a lot of employees come from our local villages and we have a super relationship. We were able to work through COVID, for example, because of our, our strict COVID protocols that kept everybody safe. And that's fully appreciated. We have some really nice um, uh, initiatives with the local communities in terms of education and training. And then finally, from a water perspective, 
um, environmentally, we have a lot of water in our area and we're very protective of that. We have established ourselves as a good partner in the state of Sinaloa. So from our perspective with, you know, with our, our good position and with our concessions and then some concessions on top of that, that we consider non-core that are available for joint venture and option. That was your, 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 your commercial. I just thought I'd slot that in there. Um, then we are in a good position going forward. Is there a, a risk as a result of sovereign changes? Yes, absolutely. At, at, at the same time, in Mexico, we're seeing pushback to this new or modified legislation from the mining states, from the governors, from the industry uh, communities, and even internationally. I know the, the government of Canada has made clear to the government of Mexico that some of these changes are a bit of a problem. So there's a lot of pressure on the Mexican government going forward. Thank you, Eric. That was a, a comprehensive answer. Um, My apologies. If I can... Um... <laughs> <laughs> if I can pull you back a bit to the nice. um, to, just to the mining concessions, I mean you've got um, this large um, license area, four hundred and fifty odd, um, cl- um, four hundred thirty-two kilometres um, of of concession areas. How much of that is sitting in a mining concession, and how much of it is um, how much is grandfathered into a kind of a, a system prior to the um, uh, the changes? Yeah. I would estimate, and, and this is purely a guess on my part, but something like 75% of the area of that 430 square kilometers, 432, is mining concession. So the one mining concession is is Plumosis. The other mining um, concession group is La Trinidad. La Trinidad was an open pit, uh, a heat leach gold mine and a gold oxide mine that was operated, uh, starting off with El Dorado Gold, in fact, going back into the 90s. So these are existing mining concessions. San Marcial is on an exploration concession, but that doesn't change the tenor at all. It, or a tenure, pardon me. It, it changes your timelines as you apply to go from exploration to exploitation. And are the tax rates and the royalty rates, the kind of the, 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 the key kind of economic determinants of fiscal terms, are, are, are they prone to change um, or is that kind of grandfathered into the, into the existing agreements you've already got? At this time, we are not aware of any changes to the concession fees that apply. And no, con- no changes to the amount of royalty that you'll have to pay when you're in production? Correct. Do you feel that the market is... Um, spooked by Mexico at the moment. Do you hear that from investors when you when you speak to people? Absolutely. Um, we're, we are facing headwinds, not just of our own making, but you could say that relate to silver as a commodity. Um, uh, Mexico, in terms of the changes to mining legislation, have definitely spooked people. Uh, they're, well, I've, I've spoken with some institutional investors that have actually said, we will not invest in Mexico anymore at this point in time under the current mining legislation. It's as simple and as clear-cut as that. And um, hence the, the people that is um, kind of at arm length, arm's length as the, the ambassador of Canada or the, the, the delegation from Canada speaking to the Mexican government saying this is harming Canadian business as well as harming yourself. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's trouble. It's the difficult thing for these politicians that they've always got a populist um, agenda as well. So there's there's managing the the economics, but there's also managing the economic the the the, the politics of of popularity um, of your voter base. It's a, it's a difficult act. Well, I think it's I think it's a bit more than that. I mean, I, I 
I respect the balancing act that they have to make. They want to protect the environment. They want to protect the people culturally. And I, I salute all that. Um, but at the same time, one has to be uh, cognizant of the fact that the capital markets that supply the funds to do these things, to, to, to the foreign investment that has to occur for these things to go forward, that that is fluid. It will go to, it will follow the easiest path, the path of least resistance. And as soon as a company puts up too many barriers or perceived as having put up too many barriers, that foreign investment will go elsewhere. Yeah, the investor dollar will do, will go somewhere else. Indeed. Um, thank you for the kind of update on Mexico. I just wanted to ask one more question on the on the technical side of things. In your update a couple of weeks ago or Please. last last week uh, uh, on your kind of plan for 2023, you also mentioned the, the the that you're going to be doing some kind of first pass internal technical studies, looking at economics, trying to wrap your head around um, those kinds of numbers. Could you just kind of tell me a little bit more about that? process what stimulated it and what your end result is likely to be sure um I, I we don't know what the end result is until we get there but the idea is to prepare uh to answer the question that we get and that is well what's it worth um how can you mine and what is the the the, the impact of having such beautiful mining widths potentially what does that do to your economics and so the the next natural step is to do a preliminary economic assessment at this point in time, we're not prepared to embark on that. Um, obviously, capital markets have to be supportive for us to go forward with uh, some of the things that need to be done to do a preliminary economic assessment. In the meantime, there are several studies that we can do in terms of metallurgy. Um, we have broken ore sitting there with things we can do to process that and see and confirm what the, what the recovery rates might be, for example, in a modern context. So these are the things that we can do, and these are the things that we will do uh, based on very cost-efficient, inexpensive technical studies. Gradual de-risking, kind of taking a kind of a, a rifle shot approach to um, a series of technical challenges that when the time comes, you'll be able to incorporate into a waterfront um, economic analysis. Indeed. I mean, we, we have some good sense of what the metallurgy is here, obviously, from production records at Plumosas. We've done some preliminary uh, metallurgical work at San Marcial, and uh, we need to to strengthen those studies to see what we can do as we move into a preliminary economic assessment mode. We're just not there yet. Got it. Um, well, and that kind of takes us back to when we keep touching on it, kind of the market uh, challenges in terms of both how do you stay funded, how do you preserve cash, how how do you think about raising the 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 next a bit of development capital the, the the other yeah so i mean let, let let's start there just in terms of cash position and you've, in you in in your update you talk about these measures you've made as a company to reduce your cash burn exactly um we are very proud of the fact that we have our own rigs and we've trained up drillers and drill helpers we've got a fantastic geological team um we've got a a, a beautiful camp that's well established. It was a, a camp that was built during the mining days and has now been restored such that we are able to employ a good chunk of people that are local. And that's an important part of having a good relationship with the local community. But of course, there is a downside to that. And that is a, a monthly cash burn that, uh, that one has to fund. When I joined as CEO in March of last year, 
since that time, we have raised over $16 million. We have been able to continue to move forward. And very importantly is that promise to deliver a resource update by the end of March. We did what we promised. We delivered that resource by the end of March. And it was of a, of a, of a magnitude and grade that exceeded the published expectations on the street. Now, we haven't made any promises other than to say we will continue to drill and expand the, the resource base there. We were able to expand our resource base at 23 cents US per ounce silver equivalent. I think that's a rather attractive number when the metal is trading at $24 or just under $24 an ounce. We think we can continue to use our geological model to deliver more ounces to the, the inventory. And that's the plan going forward. That is, however, also the challenge. We are getting to that point where we need to finance again. Yeah. So growth, grow the envelope, add ounces. Um, the, 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 the challenge is when the market doesn't um, uh, reward exploration, which was very much the case of uh, 2022. In a sense, you, you could discover at a very low cost, but the market would not reward you for discovery. Um, and it, to a, to a sen in a sense, it feels a little bit like that now. I mean, for all of the progress in GR Silver, the share price is um, still struggling. Um, I know it's incredibly frustrating. I've, I've been in a similar situation myself and, um, you, you know, it's, it's hard to know when the market is going to change how, how how do you cope i mean how do you um what's your philosophy what's the discussion at the board is it we've just got to persist persist and eventually the market will turn well, i think the alternative is to go into hibernation and i think the moment that the market becomes aware that you've stopped drilling that you've stopped generating news uh that that your share price becomes a fraction of what it is today so i think we have to continue to drill we have to con continue to deliver news to the market even if the market yawns. And as it was, we delivered the resource and the stock went up by around 30%. And it's come right back down again because everyone goes, wow, that was a great result. Please send me your sub agreement. I want to participate in your next financing. Well, maybe there isn't an immediate financing. Uh, maybe we'll have to look at alternative means of getting cash into the treasury. Obviously, cutting back on, on headcount and the number of vehicles being leased and all these different things are things, oh, and, the, and, and of course, executives taking a pay cut and directors uh, not taking fees. Are, our directors are amazing. They have opted not to take fees in order to make sure that we can continue to drill. And so one has to take these steps in order to, to move forward. Um, well done. Um, what about the M&A landscape in terms of... Um I mean, I certainly see it in the gold space. The, the juniors are kind of um, are trading at a, a deep discount to uh, traditional values on a, on an on a EV per ounce basis or on a, on an um, NAV per ounce basis. But the mid tiers and the larger caps are actually flourishing, and there seems to be quite a lot of kind of M um, and A activity at that level. Is is Mexican M and A on hold until there's clarity on 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 the government? Is 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 that a key impediment? It, it is an impediment. It is a headwind. Uh, normally, I think at this point in time, we would starting to, we would be seeing more of the M and A bubbling. Um, we are definitely talking to people. Uh, we are definitely get pushback from the institutional investors that say, "Well, there's too many Mexican names. We want to see consolidation in the Mexican silver space." 
Uh, we want to see the the emergence of a company that is the the definitive silver uh, investment to represent the space. But I think putting two exploration companies with projects at the same stage, that doesn't make sense. Then you have two orphans that need to be funded and fed. So my my belief is that we are going to see M&A where a, a producer, even if it's on a small level that has two or three years of life left but has cash flow, merges with companies like GR Silver that have uh, 10, 12, 15 years of, of potential mine life ahead of them. And putting that together, that's where one plus one equals something more than two. That makes sense. And I think we will see, despite the, 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 the sovereign headwind, we will see more of that coming up. Absolutely. And um, I, I like the fact that you, you um, the rationale for not merging juniors, I see it exactly the same way. Hungry children, you, you mentioned two orphans that need feeding. Um, which kind of brings me back down to, to, to so the, the ultimate driver of this is therefore the logical narrative it's the it's the reinterpretation that you've got it's the new model it's the understanding of the cross-cutting it's the ex southeast extension of san martial with the wider zones if you can um hang a geological narrative around that that gives kind of gives you the upside and the kind of the 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 opportunity to 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 re-rate um is, is is that a fair assessment that is the key i mean if you look at that that western edge of the Sierra Madre Occidental, there are some world-class deposits along that, world-class mining camps. And you look at Sandimas, for example, you look at what Wiesel has done uh, on their project. It's superb stuff. It's fantastic geology. And here we sit several tens of kilometers to the south of Wiesel. We have something that's slightly different. We have this overprinting of low to intermediate epithermal over these hydrothermal breaches. It's, it's a very large project with a very large potential scale. And the fact that these are very large widths on a relative basis is something that, although the market may not appreciate it at this point in time, certainly very serious parties looking at this very much do appreciate it. And so if we can continue to tread water, if we continue to drill and deliver news and demonstrate the potential of this particular geological system, I think that eventually the market will catch on. In the meantime, we sit at a significant discount. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the opportunity, isn't it? I mean, it's it's the 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 risk and the reward. Uh, there has to be kind of an asymmetric approach for kind of investors to to feel comfortable, and perhaps it'll be some stabilization yes. of the of the Mexican legislative um, area that will that will kind of highlight the reward potential once the governmental risk has kind of stabilized and then then we come back into the 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 the, the usual matrix of geological risk technical risk and um, you know the, the the other good things about being a junior exploration company exactly right good well eric thank you very much for taking the time to explain all that to me i feel as if i know the company a lot better after a very brief time talking to you um i like the 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 upside of that area to the southeast of um, Marshall. Presumably, you are looking at your entire land package and realizing that there's you've got chips to bargain with. And so you must be um, handing out um, NDAs uh, like confetti and um, trying to speak to other mining companies. More like post-it notes rather than confetti. But yes, um, there is definitely interest in the non-core that we have over 300 square kilometers of non-core concessions. We have areas of 
the core that are not being explored to the extent they should be. Our focus, as you mentioned, is on that target contact between the upper volcanics and the lower volcanics. That's proven to be extremely important in locating that. Also important is to follow some of these cross-cutting structures. We have a very, very attractive cross-cutting cross structure, a structural corridor that actually connects San Marcial and seems to go directly to La Trinidad. And so there are some very interesting um, historical operations, uh, small-scale artisanal-type operations that we're finding as we do detailed mapping along that structural corridor. So our current program on the surface is detailed mapping, uh, extensive lithogeochem surveying to generate drill targets for the future. In the meantime, we're drilling along that southeast extension of the contact, and that's that's going to be quite exciting from at least a geological perspective. Let's hope from an economic perspective as well. And um, is that going to be news flow that you're going to be um, delivering through the course of the year? It's kind of um, gradual uh, infilling and um, extensional drilling with the with the occasional bit of met metallurgical news flow thrown in there. Indeed, the 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 extension is is the headline, right? As we potentially come up with new mineralization whether it's of the same style or something new as we extend to the southeast. But the infill drilling is important from an economic perspective. As you can see, we increased our grade quite significantly from the previous resource estimate to the current resource estimate, and that comes through infill drilling. That is the low-hanging fruit, if you will. Good. Well, um, good luck with it all, and thank you very much. I thank you, Merlin. It's always a pleasure chatting with you.